0: kind. I'll tell you, you guys, come on. What is up next level? Man, are you guys doing all right? Seriously, are you guys doing all right? I'll tell you what, man, it is good to be in Florida. It is good. hey, 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 you need to know this. In Minneapolis, we've had over 70 inches of snow this year. And you, I don't know. Let me let me convert that for you guys. That's like more than my, that's more than six feet of snow. In fact, this morning actually we're having 13 inches. And no, we're not canceling church, Florida. <laughs> I'm serious, you guys. Like we don't cancel church unless we're getting like 17. You know what I'm saying? Then we consider it. You know, uh, I'll tell you. There, let me. There's a reason why my twins train right across the street. Let me tell you. I'll tell you. I, I had to call a friend uh, this morning and be like, dude, uh, can you can you can you get someone to snowblow my driveway? Loser. <laughs> you know, it was awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm in 80 degrees. Woo! I'll tell you, we took our, we took our kids to Disney this last week. And uh, do, you, do you know what the most entertaining thing about Disney World is to my kids? I mean, the most entertaining thing. We're in the, we're in the parking lot, the bus parking lot of Walt Disney World, right? And my three kids go, look, Dad, it's green grass. And they started running, all three of them. They're, like, booking across this bus parking lot, and they're snuggling the grass. Next thing you know, they're rolling all around. I mean, they were having more fun than anything they did that day. I mean, wow. They're, like, they're snuggling in. I mean, if I had known that green grass was all these kids needed, man, I could, how many know I could have saved a lot of money? Wow. I mean, I, I just, I thought about telling my kids, just stop it and be like, hey, kids, this grass, this is Disney World. And then just, and they would have been like, Dad, this is wonderful. You know, it would have been awesome. So, man, I, I just, so right now, come on, Florida, let's just stop and worship God for Florida. Even with all these snowbirds driving like crazy slow, you know, let's just worship God. Come on. No, I'm kidding. Seriously, you guys, I, I, I'm i so excited to be here. And I, I'll tell you what, it's it seriously is so inspiring to to even see what what God is doing here. I got to tour your building yesterday. Man, I don't know if you guys even got to see what I got to see. But I'll tell you, wow. I mean, seriously, when I saw the water slides that you were building in the kids area, (laughs) I thought, man, this is a church of vision, you know? No, I'm serious. They're not water slides for those of you who are visitors. Uh, But uh, let me tell you, let me tell you, I... you have no idea how much your pastors are laying it out for this building. I just want you guys to know uh, what goes on behind the scenes that you guys never see. Uh, they are laying out their lives for you people. More than I would. Let me just say that. Okay? They love you guys. And I just seriously, I, we, come on, come on. We need to say thank you to your staff and your leaders. And church, let me tell you, I, I hope you guys realize how brilliant uh, your pastors are. Because I, I, I've been, I, I go to churches all across the United States. I had nine speaking events uh, last, the last week alone, right? I've been to all sorts of churches. And let me tell you, pastors like Matt and Sarah Keller are few and far between. You have no idea how blessed you guys are. And I, you, listen, you need to appreciate them. You need to appreciate them. Uh, seriously, because if you guys stay plugged in, you guys are gonna blow up. I feel like th- there are gonna, there's gonna be a day when people are gonna be talking about, oh, you were one of the people that met at the high school. What was it like? You know what I'm saying? I, people are gonna say that. People are gonna say that. You guys cherish this time. Cherish this time, and I'll, I'll tell you what I've got. I've got so many exciting things I want to share with you guys today. We're in, we're actually in part three of the series, the Spark, right? Part three, and, and I'll tell you what. Before we dive into God's Word, I want to share with you a little bit about my history because I think it's going to give you. I want to give you a little bit of a roadmap that I I hope you will follow. Our example, even that my wife and I have done in the last just decade. uh, Many of you guys remember, uh, I shared this uh, like not last time, but the time before that when I was here. uh, Many of you guys know I I used to be a rave DJ. I gave my life to Christ in a nightclub. And of course, you know, my conversion story was so bizarre that churches kept wanting me to share it. And I I Honestly, I kind of got suckered into preaching. I, I did not want to become a pastor. Uh, you know, I, I kind of did this. Against, it was against my will. It was like people, it, it, opportunities just kind of stalked me. And, and you know, uh, eventually, I, basically, I, I got suckered into preaching pretty early on after I, I gave my life to Christ. In fact, um, by 22 years old, my wife and I started an outreach that just blew up. And we had like 14,000 people coming uh, to our events And, uh, you know, so we ended up just getting opportunities out of nowhere. We took over a thousand member church when we were 24 years old, uh, which was almost kind of weird looking back on it. You know what I'm saying? You you know, like, you know, decades later, we can look back and say, wow, that was almost weird. What were they thinking? You know, like seriously. Uh, But Uh, We, at our, at our former church before substance, I mean, we, we had everything. I mean, we owned 74 acres of land and, and we had, you know, almost 3 million in assets. We had just finished, uh, we had just finished a 400 seat youth auditorium and, and we were only like six months from total payoff of all of our property. I mean, uh, we, from a, from a materialistic standpoint as pastors, you know, we had, we had everything. You know, it was, it was kind of that kind of situation and yet uh, you know, K-12 Christian school, two-year Bible school, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and yet suddenly I felt like the Holy Spirit had been speaking to my wife and I about, about God. I felt like the Holy Spirit was impressing, impressing upon my heart, Peter, listen, I've got something totally different for you and I want you to have the guts to resign all of this, move hours away to start from scratch again. And at first You know, I think, again, I I told my wife and she's like, no, that is not the Lord. You know, I rebuked that (laughs) thought. And, uh, and, but I'll tell you what, God kept getting a hold of us and we, we could not shake it. And I don't know if you've ever felt that before, where things did not make sense in the natural and God was calling you to make a commitment that did not make sense in the natural and did not make sense to your emotions, but you knew it was God. Have you ever been there before? Come on. Has anybody ever been there before? Seriously? Uh, Just my wife and I could not get it out of our hearts. And yet, you know, we knew God was in it. And finally, so that's exactly what we did. We took a year. We resigned our church and uh, went about the whole process of, of, and of course, our friends were like, come on, you guys, that's crazy. You're out of your minds. Why why would you do this? I mean, you're going to pay a hundred grand more for a downgrade in your house. You're going to basically commit to your entire family. At the time, we had two kids. You're going to live at poverty level to do something. Only, uh, listen, I mean, 99% of all church plants fail. Why would you do that? What, What are you guys doing? And you know, it seemed crazy, and, and let me be honest with you guys, the first couple of years, if you've ever made a commitment like that, those first couple of years, you think almost every day, did I make a mistake? I don't know if you've ever felt that way, maybe you got married and you're like, what did I do? Or maybe you, uh, you know what I'm saying, you, you got a new job and you're like, did I make the right move? Those types of things, you, you think about that stuff, Right? And, and, and honestly, it was hard. I mean, it was hard. Uh, we went, I, I used to have this executive office with this bathroom and a shower in it. It was pretty, it was pretty cool. I could just say, you know, it was awesome. And, you know, to all of a sudden I have a little corner in my, um, in my basement, half of which is finished on a card table. You know what I'm saying? When you make those kind of transitions, you're like, okay, God, thanks for my promotion, you know? And you, you think about stuff like, God, did I make the right move? You know, like I, I just... And yet, at the same time, there were two Bible verses. Every time I would be tempted to think that thought, there were two Bible verses that would literally stab me in the heart. And I just want to share these verses with you, and I hope that you memorize and just internalize these verses today. And so again, if you've got your Bibles, let me read these to you. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, and then we're going to skip to 1 Corinthians 1558, Hebrews 6, verse 10. Listen to this, okay? Just internalize this, okay? Because this is God's word to you guys this morning, and I don't know who you are, but listen, God wanted me to share this verse with you. I'm convinced, okay? Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says this, God is not unjust, He's not unjust, okay, and, and, and specifically in this way, okay, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and as you continue to help him. In other words, if you want to see how God thinks, well, the justice and the equity in his heart when he thinks about his own people and the leaders who serve his people, listen, he is not unjust. He will not forget your work. In other words, people that serve his church have a special place in God's heart, and if there is any justice in God, it is in him rewarding those who serve his church. In fact, God has a disproportionate blessing for people who serve his church remember matthew six thirty three: seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things that all the pagans run after i'm just going to add on to them i'm just going to add it into their lives god has a disproportionate response for people that love his church remember that he's not unjust right and, and, and that's exactly why paul also said first corinthians fifteen fifty eight: just get this In light of these types of rewards, I believe Paul said this. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, always give yourself what? Fully. To the work of the Lord, not halfway in, not like oh yeah, this is a little add-on to my life, or oh yeah, I got a little extra. Okay, here it is, God. No, He says, give it fully to the work of the Lord. Why? Because your labor is not in vain. God is not unjust. He's gonna He's gonna bless you. You see, I'm telling you, it, th- that verse meant so much to me because there were all sorts of moments as I sat in my unfinished basement. You know, I mean, literally, I mean, we we, we gave it all for the Lord to plant this new church called Substance and. And there were moments I remember when my wife would break down crying, and and it was so terrible that all I could do was laugh. Have you ever had those moments where, like, wow, life is so terrible, I I can laugh, God, but uh, it's only because I can't get myself to cry. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember we were totally stressed. I remember there were moments where, like, what were we thinking? Why did we resign our former church? What, what, What in our minds deluded us to think that as we stepped out here that God would all of a sudden bless this? Maybe we were just idiots. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and let me say this, now that we can look back on our lives, now that we can, like, now that we got several thousand people coming to substance, now, now it's easy to say, yes, we made the right choice by resigning, right? Now that we've got dozens of conversion stories almost every other week happening, you know, now it's, and all these crazy blessings to add in, you know, now, now that, it's easy to say, give yourself fully, isn't it? Once you've gotten to the blessing side of the equation, you know what I'm saying? But before that blessing side, you're just like, it's all faith. Okay, theoretically, God, you are going to bless me, you know, maybe just in heaven only, you know what I'm saying? You know, you, uh, again, yet let me say this. The, the, it's always easier to, to say give yourself fully and to do it more once you've reached the blessing side of the equation. But, but I, I, unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians, and, and even more so, a lot of churches never experience that crazy blessing side of God because they never go all in. They never go all in. And it's so it grieves me when I see the American church. It's a, it's a, it's a church full of people that give God their leftovers. They never go all in. And, and that's why we 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 we've never really been a part of those truly crazy revival stories of God moved on the face of the earth in a city, changed the heart of a region because a group of people that went all in. You see, and so today what I want to do is I want to I want to I want to blow your mind with some Some pretty faith-stretching stories. And as I do this, I just want to unpack these verses. What does it mean to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? And I want to actually give you three different ways the Bible calls us to give ourselves fully to the gospel. But before we go unpacking those three ways, just close your eyes with me for a second. Just close your eyes. And this is what I want you to do is just ask yourself this question. Where do you need a miracle? Where do you need a miracle? Is it in your finances? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in you know, your, your workplace. You got less than ideal circumstances going on, or maybe maybe it's in your physical body or in your in your relationship with your kids. Just come on. Where, what is the biggest burden, the biggest anxiety you carry in your life today? Just what is that area? Because and once you identify something, then look up here. You see. Listen to me. I don't know what that area is, but listen to me. Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work when you love his people. He will remember, I believe, the most practical areas of your life. And some of you, listen, I believe that when you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and you do the three things that I'm about to tell you, some of you, you're going to start seeing breakthroughs in that area of your life that you have not seen in years. Some of you, you have been waiting way too long. And guess what? God has been waiting for you. And so we're going to talk about how, how is God waiting for us? What can we do to rise up to God's call on our lives? Give ourselves fully. Three ways, okay? And to be faithful to the series The Spark, I want to give you three fuel cans, right? Okay, three spark accelerators that will cause an explosion. Okay, three ways we can give ourselves fully. So are you guys ready? Come on, is anybody hot in Florida? Somebody. All right, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. All right, so everybody say, number one. The first way that God calls us to give ourselves fully is this, relationally. Okay, so you can fill in your blanks. God calls us to, to give ourselves fully to his gospel relationally. Now, in other words, God calls us to shepherd the people around us. Again, 1 Peter 5 talks about shepherding the flock that God has put around you. There are people that only you can reach, only you can shepherd within this church. And listen, God is holding you responsible to rise up and shepherd those people. God is, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I I I love how Paul wrote in First Thessalonians 2 8. Listen to listen to his heart, okay? One of the master disciplers, listen to this. First Thessalonians 2 8, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Listen, if you love people, if you love people, you're not gonna share with them a message only. You're gonna share a message plus a life, a friendship. You're going to do life with the people that you're you're sharing the gospel with. I think one of the most impotent ways people share the gospel is they think it's a message and they never give their life and their heart to people. Listen, we all know people in our lives who have tried to influence us with a message and we know people who truly came into our lives and loved us where we were at with their friendship. Huge difference, isn't there? Come on. Come on, right? Seriously, I, I think again, I, and the reason why I'm saying this is that I, I really believe that there are many people right here at next level. God is calling you to rise up and lead a small group, and yet you're scared to do it. You're scared to do it because you know the commitment, and some of you you're like, "Man, I don't even like people. I like the gospel, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, and you got to understand, I, I can relate to that because, believe it or not, my wife and I are introverts. Come on, Myers-Briggs, anybody heard of that? I, I am a die-hard ext- introvert, okay? Some of you are like, How? no way, I don't believe it. Listen, it's clinical, okay? Just trust me. <laughs> I, an, th- I would rather sit with a book all by myself any day, right? And that sounds kind of funny, but you have to understand, this, so this, this, this job that I got into, this vocation... Let me tell you, man, this is like an occupational hazard for me, talking to people, right? No, I'm teasing, right? But seriously, it is a stretch for me. It takes a lot more energy for my wife and I to do this. And you have to understand, the beginning of our church, out of just survival, we had to have people over to our house all the time. In fact, we had over 80 different people eat dinner or lunch at our house on any given week. And our, our carpets in our house were so trashed by how many people we had in our house. We had, to, we had to rip all the carpeting out of our house and put hardwood floor. Oh, that's right. You guys are from Florida. You don't even know what carpeting is because you're it's all tile here, right? Okay, carpeting is this spongy stuff. You go, <laughs> it's underneath your feet. In Minnesota, we put it on the walls just to stay warm. We, we, uh, we, anything, right? <laughs> you know, but seriously, I, hosting a small group was a big deal for me because uh, again, it, it forced me to go way out of my comfort zone. And yet, listen, the gospel demands it. The gospel demands it. If you love people, you're going to give yourself relationally. You're going to be mentors. You're going to be shepherds. Besides, again, the single greatest statistical predictor of, of both church health and church growth is small groups. Did you know that? You can go into any church based on their emphasis of small groups and actually get a statistical prediction of growth or non-growth. Did you know that? There's all sorts of research and study that goes into that. In fact, uh, the, uh, you can preach the gospel, the same gospel to two people, and the person with the most intimate Christian friends in their life is the most statistically likely to apply it. So if you are a Christian who just attends a church service, listen, your odds of growth statistically are pretty close to none. Think about that. It changes the way we think about what is church. How do we do church? What is an effective church? Church is not a church service. It's a group of people that love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Not if you have church services for all nations. And don't get me wrong. You got to get people invited into the family somehow. And that's why we do church services. But listen to me. If you aren't rising up and shepherding the people that are going to come to your building. And trust me. That building alone is going to bring all sorts of people in. But if you're not there ready to shepherd those people. Then guess what? You're going to hit a plateau just like a lot of churches do. Because they never understood this concept. Giving themselves relationally to the gospel so that's number one if you want to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord you want that reward in your life you want fruitfulness in your church give yourself relationally amen all right all right number two is this you want to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord the second fuel can the second spark accelerator is this give yourself financially to the work of the Lord I, I mean Talk about a huge number of verses. There's like over 2,000 verses that speak to how we steward our finances as an act of worship. Think about that. I mean, Proverbs eleven twenty five. You know, a generous man prospers. A what? A generous man what? Prospers. If we're not generous, we're not, we're not experiencing a certain prosperity that God wants us to have, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, give so that God will bless you, all that kind of stuff, but listen, it is impossible to deny the connection in scripture between God's grace on our lives in certain areas and how generous we're living. Come on, there's more blessing and giving than there is in receiving, Acts 20 says, right? Just this last summer, uh, we had had a, a church member who was going through kind of a rough patch, Uh, financially and of course you know he he tithed regularly which means he gave 10% of his income uh, to the church, and, and in doing so, you know the Bible talks about if you if you live on ninety percent, give ten percent to the Lord. God will use that ten percent to bless the remaining ninety, and you'll do more with that ninety than you ever did with all one hundred percent. Okay, so that's what the Bible promises, and you know, and so he he, and of course that week he knew his ten percent was going to be three hundred and fifty dollars, right? Because he had been a couple weeks uh, since his last paycheck, and he's 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 looking at that three hundred and fifty dollars right before he wrote the check, and he's like, ah. Oh. I need this. Come on, have you ever been there? Seriously, just admit it, right? And and he's like, oh, he he needed every dollar to stay in his savings account. So he's wrestling with it. Should I give it to the church? Should I hold on to it? Should I give it to the church? Should I hold on to it, right? And suddenly he just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon him. I mean, it, it was strong. And he felt like the Holy Spirit just impressed this upon his heart. Can I trust you with more money? Can I trust you with more money? And, he, and, and I believe that this is the same question that the Holy Spirit asks all of us. In other words, I believe that God asks all of us, can I bless you without you bowing down and worshiping the things by which I bless you? And a lot of people, they do that. They, they worship their finances. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. There's not a single person in this room who isn't within the top 2% of the world's wealthiest people. If you make more than forty grand a year combined total income, you are in the top 2% of the world's wealthiest people. And yet, oh, we're so poor. We're so poor. You know what I'm saying? You, you, uh, listen. We have no comprehension of just what wealth is because we, we live in the wealthiest nation. We live in the nation that owns 64% of the world's wealth, okay? We, we have no comprehension, right? And so, and he was he was struggling with this and he kind of felt like the Lord was saying, hey, listen, can I trust you to be a conduit for my kingdom or are you just going to? You're just going to be the same selfish American, the richest Christian who's ever walked the face of the earth, and yet you're going to live, you're not going to, you're not going to give any of this, right? He felt like this really serious challenge in his heart, and so finally he's like, all right, God, he writes out the check, right, and rips it out, just throws, and listen to this. He did that, and of course, the entire time, it was one of those like, okay, God, I trust you, I trust you, get this, okay, I love this, because he wrote me this in a letter just recently, and he wrote out this $350 check, get this, that month, that month, he brought in the largest commission he had ever gotten in his career, exactly 100-fold of the check that he wrote. In fact, he made over $35,000 in a singular month. Okay, apparently, Matt, that doesn't that happens here all the time, because these people aren't <laughs> impressed. They're like, $35,000, that's nothing, you know. Wow! 35 grand! Hello! I mean, wow! Uh, Seriously, he set a new company record for the, the the, the, the biggest increase that anybody had ever gotten in commissions in a single week ever. In the history of that company, and even more amazing, none of that business had been in his pipeline at all before. I mean, it came all out of nowhere. I mean, come on! Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so, Uh, you know, even when I heard that, my wife and I were so inspired, my wife and I had been praying about how we could live a more generous lifestyle, and and, um, you know, my wife and I have always tried to give 10 to 20% of our income away, it's just kind of a general rule, we keep thinking, come on. If we live in America, we we just felt like that was our conviction between the Holy Spirit, and I think everybody has to listen to the Holy Spirit there. Uh, but you know, I, I felt like we we both felt like the Lord was speaking to us about giving more away. If you guys dare to give more away, I'll uh, listen. I'll I'll dare to trust you with more, right? And and of course, my wife and I have been saving up for a new house for the last four years. I mean, really. I mean, we've been really frugal with the way we live and. And, uh, and both of us, yet, yeah, you know, so we, we've got this money, it's, it's you know, we're living on a very small amount of our income, and, and, and of course, both of us kept getting this sense, like, God has different plans for that money, and you know, there's a part of you that's like, no, that's not the Lord, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and... Uh, and so both of us started just praying, God, how much do you want us to give? You know, like, and, and so I finally asked my, li- my wife, I'm like, how much do we even have? I mean, seriously, I don't even know how much we even have. And so she's kind of listing it all out. Well, we got like 23 grand in mutual funds. We got like nine in our car fund. We got this much in our bank account, this much in this other account. She's kind of going down the list. And as she was giving the list, I'm telling you, it was like this impression on my heart. I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Peter, I want all of it. I want you to give me your all. And I'll tell you, immediately I thought, that can't be the Lord. I rebuked that thought. You know what I mean? That, you know what I'm saying? I mean, maybe the Lord was saying, I want you to go to the mall. You know, I just didn't hear it right. <laughs> all right, God, I'll do that for you. And then and then I started thinking, what What if it's the devil trying to tell me to give away all my money? You know what I'm saying? And then I stopped for a second. Why would the devil tell me to give all my money to the gospel? You know what I'm saying? And then I, just, I thought, wow, the devil? That's pretty weird, devil, you know? And, you know. You see, the truth was, I, I had heard the Lord correctly. I had heard the Lord correctly. And so I, I and, and I was nervous. I, I didn't want to, I was almost nervous to share this with my wife because I thought, is she going to say, you're out of your mind, Peter, just whatever, go back and pray more? Uh, or like what, you know? And so I, I went up to my wife and I'm like, so honey, what are you, what are you sensing, you know? And, and I'm like, baby, I know this is, this is going to sound crazy, but I just, I feel like, and then my wife stopped me and she's like, Peter, we need to give all of our money away. And I'm telling you you guys, it was one of those crazy moments. I don't know if you've ever had this in your marriage where, I mean, there was just total and complete unity of spirit. We just knew God was up to something. We knew. We could feel it. We could feel it. And, and, and we, you know, we were totally nervous. This is, by the way, this was just this last summer, okay? Uh, this was last summer. And uh, and of course, you know, it, it, as we're praying about it, you know, we had kind of that goosebumps. And and as we, I, I wanted to ask my wife, are you sure he didn't say go to the mall? You know, just I just wanted a second. Never mind. Okay, so uh, so but. I'll tell you what and, and, and I, I didn't realize how hard it is to get rid of your money you know like I, I calling my financial planner and you know he's like you want to do what you know like you know take again it took it took weeks to get rid of our money it was like it was almost terrifying you know cuz you want to get rid of it quick you know and it's hard because you, otherwise you have this like should we be doing this kind of thing and I, let me let me let me say this okay get this after we gave get this our church income almost immediately jumped by 20 grand a week, just out of nowhere, okay, out of no, a week, right, and, and, and like, I, I cannot tell you how many blessings came out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I, I have three major book publishers all of a sudden calling me out of nowhere, there were times in my life I was like hammering on that door, hoping I could get, you know, some opportunity like this, and then all of a sudden, they're, they're stalking me, wanting to do national book deals, and I keep thinking, hey, I mean, listen, I know, I know where these opportunities came from. I know who provides wealth. I know the Lord, the, the, that's what it says in First Samuel, the Lord is the one who sends wealth. I know who my source is, and I know what brings me fulfillment and what, br- uh, what brings God fulfillment. And I, and, and so listen, church, I'm not asking you to give everything away today. Rather, I'm simply saying, dare to listen to God. Your pastors, listen, your pastors have a brilliant plan to reach this city. I mean, they've got the experience, they've got the leadership. All they need is the resources. Come on. You guys just heard it. You furnished the vision? Come on. You guys heard it. You guys heard it. And and listen, I'm telling you, God is not unjust. He doesn't forget this stuff. It's easy for my wife to preach this kind of stuff because we've watched God's hand come through over and over and over again. So number one, give yourself relationally. Number two, give yourself financially. And number three... If you want to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, go all in spiritually in prayer. Go all in spiritually in prayer. And again, we've all heard the scriptures, pray without ceasing, always pray, never give up. Uh, But listen to this story. Let me just, I, I want to inspire you. Some of you, you claim to believe in prayer, but listen, you want to believe in prayer, get this, right? In the South American country of Brazil, a unique prayer movement has taken form The city of Goyania is a large city, about 1.2 million inhabitants, right? Previously, the city has been renowned for its obsession with the religious practices of spiritism, right? But God has been dramatically changing things. Come on! It's exciting. I love this. Through a group group of women willing to walk in agreement. In 1989, Elizabeth Cornelio began praying with four other women. Over time, the prayer group filled up with women from various churches wanting to see God change that city. Currently... This small group has flourished into a city-wide prayer campaign complete with its own radio show led by Elizabeth Cornelio and her co-host, Elizabeth Albernez. Listen, that small group you're starting right now or that you're going to start in the next three months, you have no idea, right, what God is going to do with that, right? Come on. They now link almost 200,000 intercessors in strategic city-wide prayer. Every day, they share local crime stats and pray for specific neighborhoods, Okay. However, get this, despite their success, the local radio station owner, which hosted their program, decided to dramatically increase his rates. As a result, the prayer program was forced to go off the air in March of 1999. However, within three months, the crime rate of the city had dramatically increased by almost 50%. Even more, the radio station's popularity ranking fell from number 3 to number 17. In your face! (laughs) Take that to try to get people off the air. Finally, out of desperation, the city sent a delegation to Cornelio. The mayor and the chief of police urgently begged her to restart the broadcast. And immediately after the broadcast began again, the crime rate suddenly fell again come on that's the way it should be where the mayor and the chief of police are begging us don't stop doing what you're doing please we need you that's the way it should be and i believe that if it's not in every city with our churches you know what that is that's a sign of shame i believe that we are not giving ourselves fully to the work of the lord that's the way it should be that's the way it should be i mean it's like batman you know like where they just shine the bat light in the sky and christians rise up that's my call you know what i'm saying That's the way it should be. I mean, 50%. Check this out. In fact, around the same time a local prison had an awful outbreak and hostage situation, the police immediately called the intercessors to inform them about the derailed situation, as it should be. It's like the little bat phone, you know, the little red phone just rings and and they're, I mean, come on. Who's the first person you're going to call, right? Let's call the church. Immediately, Cornelio rallied the city intercessors around the circumstance They were even given a direct line into the prison so that they could specifically target their prayers. And while they were praying, many of the intercessors sensed that God would sovereignly end the standoff at around 5 o'clock, which they reported on air on the radio program before 5 o'clock. And just as they sensed, the prison drama suddenly turned around and ended without bloodshed at exactly 5 p.m., The the entire event created such a stir throughout the city that the newspaper headlines read the next day, prayer prevents bloodbath. Hey, listen, when even the secular newspaper knows who to give credit to, that's the way it should be, right? In fact, the prayer movement has had so much an impact that in the last six years, the number of evangelical Christians has grown from 8% to 45%, around 540,000 New Christians are now proclaiming the life of Christ within this city. Is that a coincidence, people? No. This is a group that gave themselves fully spiritually in prayer. So let me ask you, come on, is this possible in Fort Myers? Come on, can God just take 540,000 new believers and place it into the churches here? Let me ask this, if God did that, would you even be ready? Because let me tell you, if you adopt 17 new orphans into your home, let me tell you something, that's going to cost you time, it's going to cost you money, and it's going to cost you spiritually in prayer, isn't it? If you're not willing to pay the price, listen, God's looking at your home saying, I can't, they're not ready to adopt anybody. They're not living a lifestyle of adoption. They're not really giving it all. Listen, listen. The reason why I brought up these three ways, these three dimensions for going all in, is because most Christians only give themselves to God's work in one of these three dimensions. Okay? In other words, most Christians only give themselves their one-dimensional devotion to the work of the Lord. And I think a lot of Christians, they'll have a season of their life where they are a three-dimensional Christian. But then what happens is, in the process is, either they get hurt or they burned out or they just didn't quite see God come through in their life in the timeline that we wanted. And then all of a sudden we're like, ah, you know, I'm not even sure this works. I think God is unjust. I think, honestly, we won't say God is unjust, but that's what we believe in our hearts. And we believe that by how much we give. We believe that by how much we serve, by how much we serve people relationally, and by how much we pray. We're one-dimensional Christians, and I I just, again, I got to be honest with you, Next Level. When I was walking through your building, I felt like the Holy Spirit just impressed upon my heart. Next Level is supposed to build about a half dozen of these buildings. I really felt like that strong impression that God's plan is to, to sprawl out all throughout this region in very creative right ways. And I just, I almost felt like as I was walking through this building, just this overwhelming sense from the Holy Spirit that this building was, was really just a test to get a lot more of you to live three-dimensionally, relationally, financially. And in prayer. In other words, it, it was really kind of a two-fold test, a test of your generosity and really a test of your trust to cause you to ask yourself the question, do I really trust my leaders? Because I think some of you, you've had non-trustworthy pastors in the past and, and sometimes previous church experiences can be the, the worst thing that causes long-termers to put God in a box. Listen, God is doing a new thing and everything that God is doing at Substance doesn't even make sense. We got our fastest growing service is a video only service. I'm not even there live. It doesn't even make sense in the natural watching 40 people give their lives to Christ to a video. But guess what? And, and there were all sorts of people who said, No way, that's gonna fail. Well, guess what? It didn't fail. God moved. And we got a whole new group of people who are ready to give themselves three-dimensionally to the gospel. And listen, this is what I know to be true about next level is God's call is out on the table. Would you dare to lay it all out three-dimensionally, fully to the work of the Lord and watch God move in your generation and in your personal life in a way that you have never seen before? Listen, it's right here. The question is, is are you are you willing to dare and, and turn that test into a testimony? I'll tell you what. Just wait until that blessing phase, and you're going to be like, absolutely. So right now, listen. Just close your eyes. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord, and maybe you're brand new to Christ. Maybe you're like, maybe you're like, I'm not even. I don't even consider myself to be a religious person. You don't even know how you got here today. And and I believe that there, wherever you're at, whether you're new to Christ or 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 you've been in the in Christ since you were a kid. Listen, I don't care where you're at. I believe that God is speaking to some of you about getting out of the shallow waters and start living three-dimensionally. And I don't know what that means to you, uh, but I believe God is gonna make it clear to you. And if that's you, I just wanna pray a simple prayer of rededication. And I believe that God is gonna start showing up in our lives in that area that you identified earlier, your greatest burden. So let's do that right here. Jesus, you see our lives. You see what's going on in our physical bodies, our marriages, our families, our houses, our workplaces. God, you see what our needs are even before we ask, and yet you said that you reward those who diligently seek you. And and so God, we just say, help us to be the Christians that you want us to be. Help us to be that spark. Help us to put fuel cans on the fire that you have ignited right here at Next Level so that this is a church that captures a moment in history that people will refer to forever. God, use us, take us to new places in Jesus' name. And church, if that's your prayer, just say this after me. Just say this. Say, dear Jesus, we give our lives to you. Forgive us of apathy. Fill us with faith that we might live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Bless you guys at next level. Get ready. Get ready. God's going to do awesome things. We'll see you.